Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, August, it is here. Football's right around the corner. Baseball's marquee matchups are happening on the daily. And BetOnline's got you covered for all the prop bets, futures, odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device right now to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So remember, before that next pitch or maybe that next kickoff coming up soon, make sure you go to BetOnline and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod we called it earlier this summer and ladies and gentlemen it's a sad pod oh, <laughs> it's a cubs sad pod today i'm bringing on the cubs consigliere uh, dom fortini right now is i believe currently in a haddonfield mental institution uh they're treating him well he's in a straight jacket right now but we're talking to sean graves today about a Chicago Cubs team that once was and what it might be in the future. Sean, welcome to the pod. How are you? Joey, thank you so much for having me once again. I have checked in on Dom at the Institute. It's not a pretty situation right now. He's getting great help, though. He'll be back soon, we hope. Uh, but I, I thought today would be appropriate for our viewers that I would wear my goodbye someday shirt. It was meant to celebrate our 2016 World Series. And now it's meant to say goodbye to those guys that brought us that 2016 World Series. Ah, uh, sweet irony. Uh, yeah, he's got his goodbye someday shirt on. I have a flamingo Hawaiian shirt on today because you know what, Sean? I'm going on vacation. I'm yeah. taking a vacation. I just need to take a vacation from the Cubs. Look, we're diehard fans. We love watching every single game, but sometimes, just sometimes, you kind of need to walk away. And when Frank Schwindel is your first baseman, um, it's that time to walk away, isn't it, Sean? It is, and I think, you know, based on uh, Jed's uh, comments of I have no idea what our plan is, Joey, you'll be back from vacation in about 2024 for the Cubs, it sounds like. Thank God we've got the marquee network there giving us every single detail, every step along the way. So uh, let's roll it back a little bit, and let's just start maybe more at the emotional impact of all this for Cubs fans moving forward. You know, we love, we love our Cubs team, but this is honestly perhaps one of the the most jarring, emotional, devastating breakups, I think, in Chicago sports history. Jordan retiring was one thing, right, because he had already retired once. And then the second time he did it, we all kind of sort of felt that it was the end of the line. It was just a little bit more telegraphed than this. Granted, we've been kind of seeing, reading the tea leaves on this for three years with the Chicago Cubs. And right here on this pod, if you guys have been listening to our listeners out there, thank you so much for doing that. But we've been talking about this since, what, two winters ago? about ownership not maybe stepping up and taking care of you know they keep sh keep playing the charade of we're putting a competitive team out there when we all know deep down inside they're not making incremental moves that they need to get themselves closer back to world series contention and i said it a long time ago and i was upset at the time but it's starting to really ring true just the rickets the ownership group i like jed jed's a good general manager but rickets the ownership group they do not have Cubs fans' best interests at heart. It's been going on since probably after 17, and we're really seeing it bore itself out right now, Sean. Just talk about the, you know just the emotions of seeing some of your Cubs heroes traded within the hour, you know, on the trade deadline, yeah. and just you know how we got to this place. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you are right. I think it's like post 2017 is kind of when this 
started, right? So we as fans have had four years now of just waiting for one or two of these guys to get an extension, to get a fair offer, to, to be told that, okay, Anthony Rizzo is for sure going to be a cub for life. He's going to have the statue out front, the jersey retired, yada, yada. You, you've heard guys like him and Baez say over and over, I want to be a cub for life. I love it here. K KB to me is kind of like a whole separate thing than like than, than Javi and Riz, but we've heard it. And I think you really are spot on with the Ricketts. And, you know, some of this stuff, I guess we're just never going to know, right? We're never going to know if, these contract offers or extensions that were made, if they actually were fair market value, uh, were they lowballed? And if they were lowballed because that's just what Jed and the baseball ops people thought was right, or were they lowballed because behind the scenes the Ricketts were saying, no, no, for the next four or five years, you got nothing. We're giving you no money, so you better be wise with it. And I agree with you. I think the fan base in general is started to turn on the Ricketts family. It's kind of, it really does kind of feel like, Hey, we got, we brought you the world series in 2016. What else do you want? Well, we're going to keep charging you the highest prices in all of baseball. And that's, that's the sticking point too, as well. And, you know, it's fair to say that the Ricketts family, they've done a lot of good things for the Wrigleyville area, but it is also fair to say that maybe they've overplayed their hand a little bit where yes. when they came in, they made a lot of promises, right? Yeah. And the promises was they were going to remake the neighborhood. They were going to renovate Wrigley Field and they were going to bring a winning uh, a winning team onto the field at Wrigley. And they turned into a World Series champion. All those things are, are true. But also there's a lot of detail there that sort of kind of changes the narrative a little bit. And what you're talking about, I think, is what ownership says versus what reality is. Yes. And I think what the concept is, is how disingenuous are we actually talking about when we say hey we paid the money yes they did pay the money right but let's go back who did they, they on truly like who did they pay top dollar to john lester yeah jason hayward and just for funsies let's just say ben zobrist right yep so those are three guys those were all in 2016 Nothing since. You want to say, hey, they paid money for you, Darvish. Okay, great. The only reason why they signed you, Darvish, was because the market came back to them. Yep. They signed a Brandon Morrow because he wasn't a closer, and then they wanted him to be a closer. They signed a Tyler Chatwood and gave him too much money because they yep. thought that he could be an ascending player. They never went out, and the whole pitch was that we were going to have these homegrown players, and then we were going to supplement it with big market moves mm -hmm. and acquisitions. And for years... I think Cubs fans were led down this path of we're going to go after the Manny Machados. We're going to go after the Bryce Harpers. Now, in hindsight, was that a good thing that that didn't happen? Yes and no. We can have that debate some yeah. other time. But the whole idea was to take the the Rizzo, the KB, the biases of the world, the guys, the homegrown guys, was meant to supplement it with other people on the roster and eventually pay those dudes. And yeah, it yeah. just blows my mind that we're now haggling over what is fair market value for homegrown talent that not only changed the lives of Cubs fans on the field, but a lot of these players as well changed a lot of people in the city of Chicago off the field as well. It's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't ring like honest business to me yes. saying that, you know, how hard they really tried to sign an Anthony Rizzo when they're making money hand over fist and will be for years and years based off that world series team. 
Yeah, and you know, it also it just doesn't jive too with things that Ricketts have said. You know, the biblical losses and stuff like that. When you look around the league and you see a team like the Padres, who are not anywhere near what the Cubs are in terms of value and bringing money and spending money left and right, you're seeing the Mets spend money. It just doesn't what they're saying doesn't jive with what we know is possible as ownership and money. We still know they're making money hands over hand over fist. They could do whatever they want. And last week, you're right. Last week was such a jolt to the Cubs system. Like, you know, I, and I was one of the ones that said, like, we need to retool. I understand if one, two of these guys needs to go. I knew the Kimbrel was going to go. I figured probably KB was going to go. I really, really never thought that Rizzo was going anywhere. I really never thought Javi was going anywhere. Now, what they will ultimately get paid in the offseason, that's probably a different pod. But in this moment, I didn't see them guys going anywhere. I didn't see this complete teardown that we did. And it was like sitting there just watching the, the MLB network or watching ESPN. This guy is gone. This guy is gone. I'm, you're, you're, you're in shock. You're in complete shock as a fan. It was completely devastating. Um, so definitely, yeah. I had to do like a whole piece on Anthony Rizzo because I had all these thoughts about it. The Rizzo thing was just really, really surprising. And we're going to get to some of the subsequent comments that Hoyer and Rizzo have had in the past couple of days that is honestly trending towards a version of being ugly. But it's just I keep I, and this is really important, Cubs fans, to realize that, you know, we want to blame this core. Right. Yeah. You'll hear a lot of, um, you know, probably Chicago sports people who maybe are probably smarter than me, to be very fair and talk to people within the organization organization that keep talking about how. The offense broke in 2018, and let's just blame Baez and Rizzo and KB over and over and over again. And Eden Hoyer himself even said, we were fully prepared to walk to the edge of the cliff with these people if this was a winning product, but it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Well, Jed, you didn't put a winning product on the field, my friend. Yeah. And that's what's so important about the degradation of the pieces that were surrounding these players as the years went on. Ian Happ didn't work out. You know, we were stuck with Jason Hayward's money, and obviously his pre- yeah. he, he couldn't even be a replacement-level player. Left field, a perfect place to spend a ton of money on a guy. You know, we either lost faith in Kyle Schwarber, and, you know, and then we brought in a guy even cheaper on Jock Peterson. We let a guy like John Lester walk out the door, and then we paid Jake Arrieta less. We brought in guys like Trevor Williams instead of trying to maybe find someone that was a little bit more... <laughs> Legit. Or, hey, I don't know, maybe give Alec Mills another shot at the rotation this year. They just stuck him in the bullpen and say, here you go, Trevor Williams. Have at it. Zach Davies for you, Darvish. The list goes on and on. So they clearly didn't set this team up for success. It seems almost it feels almost like the perfect crime of just make sure that this team is maybe seems okay on paper, but ultimately has huge flaws. And then when it has all these flaws, we can obviously pawn these guys off and walk out of this feeling pretty good about ourselves because it was, you know, Rizzo's fault that he's hitting 250. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a season when everyone's hitting 240. I, you know what I mean? I, I'm having well, a hard time wrapping my head around that. And if, and if you're, if you're going to say like, Hey, we, we came into 2021 willing to walk to the edge of the cliff with these guys and see if they could go all in one last time and do something special. If you're going to say that and expect me to take you at your word and that you're genuine about that, no way in hell do you come in to 2021 in April where Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, a beleaguered Jake Arrieta, and basically a rookie, Albert Alzale are four of your five rotation pieces. 
you want to intertwine Alec Mills with Trevor Williams, same thing, honestly, right? You don't, you just don't do that. You, you keep you Darvish. You have Kyle Hendricks. Alzalez, you're four or five. You keep John Lester. And then you go out and you get another arm. You get a better arm. And then you really give those guys a shot because you already know coming into this year that your offense has struggled for the last three or four years. And once again, even though you said it was time to make a move, besides letting Schwarber go, you did nothing. You did nothing. You basically rolled it back and then made the pitching staff worse. So it's not genuine to say that you were willing to go to the edge of the cliff with these guys one last time. And then you got your hands tied because you have to trade off these players to replenish a farm system that has been failing you now for three or four years straight. And that was, and that was a big part of it. And this is why I think Cubs fans are upset because we go back to the beginning and I, I, I hope ownership realizes that Cubs fans actually have pretty decent memories on this stuff where we go back to the very beginning of when Jed and Theo and, and the Ricketts family bought the team was that they promised us a certain amount of things. And they made this pledge. And typically you're like, okay, yeah, sports, narratives, whatever. We'll see what happens. Everyone wants everything, right? But what really changed, there's now an accountability yes, and a responsibility to the Ricketts family because they actually did give us this World Series. They actually did follow through on that one crazy promise. And I think also at the same time we're so upset with them because we do really want to actually love the ownership group that brought us that World Series. I think we really do actually want to stand up and applaud Tom Ricketts, but this has been going on since 2017 where we've just been making not just, it's not the Jose Quintana trade, right? It's not Jose Soler for Wade Davis. Those are baseball moves, and we can criticize them on their own time, but it's really about not trying to extend this window by fortifying and, again, supplementing the talent that you already have on your roster instead of expecting that talent to continue to carry the day as things slowly fall off here and here and there and here and there. And then next thing you know, you have Trevor Williams as your number four starter. Those of us of a certain age, we grew up in and we remember the the Tribune years and no Cubs fan wants to go back to that. And I think what we're kind of feeling after this past week now is like, well, oh shit. Are we going back to that? Do we have a cheap ownership again that are going to put outside interest above what should be number one, which is the product on the field? Because that's what, like, it's cool that Wrigleyville, okay, that you can bring your family and go to a bar and go bowling and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you're there to go to the Cubs game and see a good product, right? So nobody wants to go back to that. And also as ownership, when you come in and you buy a team and you, and you talk about creating expectations, you better mean it. Because once you create those expectations – once you've won that World Series, that's the level that we're at now. We want to be in that in that conversation with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, with the Dodgers, with these big market teams where, yeah, you may have a down year or two, and a down year may be, oh, I finished 82 and 78 or something like that, middle of the pack. Not these teardowns every five – we're not the Marlins. We're not the Pirates. We're not the Royals. Stop acting like it. We have expectations now as fans. Treat us, treat us like we know what we're doing. Like we're like we've showed up for you guys. We've paid these ticket prices. We're here. Give us what we what we've earned. Yeah, and don't expect us to just be just happy for I don't know. Like I'm so happy for what we've gotten, but at the same time, you're right. We were pitched that we wanted to become a different kind of franchise. And if you go back, how many losing seasons have the Yankees had over the last 20 years? Zero. The Cardinals, I believe, one. The Red Sox, I believe, four. And the Braves, I believe, six. So yeah. that's the type of baseball 
that the Chicago Cubs fans aspire to be. And let me ask ask you this question. We're starting over, right? And everyone says that, yes, the Ricketts are going to spend money on new free agents, all, all this other stuff. You know, what do you think it says to prospective free agents that they give John Lester top dollar and then shoo him out, like, you know, kick him out the door the way they did last year when he's, like, begging to stay. I'll stay. I just yeah. want my family to stay here. Give me $4 million or give me two, and then we can kind of parlay it. They said, no, thank you. What do you think it says to Anthony Rizzo, another guy who's a pillar in the community? Everything, I, honestly, I think a sports athlete wants is to yeah, not yeah. only be beloved on the field but be beloved off the field and make real true impact in the community. They say to him, you, we don't think you're worth what you're worth even after you signed a $65 million deal that was good for Rizzo at the time, but obviously became very below market as the years went on. Yeah. He won gold gloves and all-stars. You know, so what do you think it says where if you want to talk about, let's just say Freddie Freeman, who's going to be a free agent this year, 30-year-old guy, I think we could probably say maybe a little bit better offensively than Rizzo right now, just you know, on yeah. the field. What do you think it says to a guy like Freddie Freeman if the Cubs want to go out there and try and bring him in, a guess what, Cubs fans, we're we're paying top dollar now. All these guys out there that you're gonna to have to bring in, you have to pay them top dollar. So this whole fair, this fair competitive market crap that's being pushed out there, there's no engendered, um, there's no engendered enthusiasm. If you would sign some of these guys up now, a guy's gonna maybe take a couple million less to come play with the Cubs and come play with Rizzo, Baez, and KV. That's not happening anymore. Nope. They're bare. You know, you gotta go out there. It's just like the John Lester signing. You gotta pay top dollar. So, what do you think it says to guys like that now, after this whole mess? You know, what who who wants to come to Chicago unless you're paying top dollar for them? Well, like right, like that's that's probably the worst thing about this is that all of a sudden now you get the reputation of being the nickel and dime, you know, organization, right? Like when someone who's considering Chicago hits up Rizzo, hits up Javi, hits up KB and says, you know, what do you think about your time in Chicago? Love Wrigley Field. Fans are great. Rossi's great. The ownership is cheap as shit. So be aware of that. When it's, it won't matter what you do. It won't matter if you go out and win the MVP, if you lead them to a World Series, when it comes time to get that, that appropriate contract, they're going to nickel and dime you. That's not the kind of stuff that you want free agents hearing. Because like you said, now it's, it's probably not even about like fair market. You're probably going to have to go a little bit above. Yes. In the next couple of years to get a bigger name to, to come to Chicago because they're, they're not going to risk the fact that they, okay, I'll take a fair deal for three years and then I'll play well. And when we renegotiate, I'll get my big money. Cause they're going to know, well, that's not the case. Yeah. Get ready. Get ready for them to overpay Marcus Simeon is basically, yeah. is basically what we're talking about here right yeah. now. I don't see them getting involved. I don't, Look, I, I think Carlos Correa is a very talented player, but the dude is hurt a lot. And yeah. if you're going to pay top dollar for that, that really that really scares me. Corey Seager, I don't know what that elbow is, a shortstop long-term. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would do that either. But Cubs fans, get ready, because we're going to over, overpay uh, Marcus Simeon. And, Trevor, Trevor Story, somebody like that. that right, right? And, and it's the whole it's the whole ball game. It's the whole thing you know, all over again. And I just keep going back to Rizzo, and I just don't understand – what exactly happened there? I, I, I text this to you all the time. For the people that think five five years and $70 million was a fair deal for Anthony Rizzo, um, that's completely false. The Kansas City Royals gave Carlos Santana $19 million last this yes. year to play. And Carlos Santana is in his mid-30s, 36, 37. Still a productive ball player, but $19 million. That's where it starts 
for a guy like Anthony Rizzo. And just I want to get your reaction, and I'm going to try and catch listeners up really quick. Uh, Jed Hoyer came on the radio, and he basically said that his most frustrating part of this whole experience was not being able to sign any of those guys. They made a lot of deals, or they made a lot of offers, and he found it to be um, interesting that the Cubs players that kept saying that they wanted to stay here would never, ever counter offer. And then when they sit down at the table, they never acted like that they wanted to stay there. Um, to quote Anthony Rizzo kind of sounds like a bad breakup, a little bit of sour grapes. And, and Anthony Rizzo came back and said, well, the common denominator is none of us signed all the deals. I, you know, were probably either not up to fair market value or truly just seems like everyone should have been signed in 2017, 2018. We should have locked everyone up. And the more it got dragged down, the more, uh, yeah. animosity was kind of built up over time. You know, what's your take on the Rizzo versus Hoyer situation right now? Um, yeah, well, and, you know, and then Jed was in the dugout last night in Denver, kind of basically saying he regretted saying that stuff about the players, right? I mean, yeah, and I, I, I what Rizzo, I think what Rizzo said yesterday too was probably um, a little emotional as yeah. well. You know what I mean? Like he definitely was pausing before his answers. Yeah, said, well, the Cubs wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Well, don't yeah. you think that it's to me when I look at that situation and I look at what Jed said yesterday, and, and we look at because I think the only thing that we kind of know for sure, if we know for sure, is that Rizzo was offered five at 70, right? Like, you know, there's there's this whole thing where KB still says, I never saw $200 million. Now, whether that's just Scott, whether that's just Scott Boris not taking it to him, which I don't know ethically how that works or not. Yeah, and to be very fair, from what I understand, and this is really important, Hoyer and them say that they offered KB a $200 million contract. Yeah. KB's response was, was I ever offered a contract well north of two hundred million? No, I was not. Yeah. So two oh five and well north. Two eighty. It's a different story. Give me two two different things. Yeah. Yeah, but I think one of kind of the most important things for Jed Hoyer going forward in this off season is that what he says about offering those fair market numbers comes to reality, right? Like if, if Rizzo goes out in this, in this free agency and he gets five at 80, then I think that validates what Jed said, right? Now, look, he's your guy. He's your pretty much your homegrown guy. He means everything to the, this community, to Cub fans. So paying five at 100 for that, yes, you should have done it. But if he gets five at 80, to me, that kind of validates what Jed says about we made fair market offers. If he goes out, though, when he gets – four at 95 at 120 then, then the Cubs are just completely wrong if someone pays Javi Baez 225 million dollars then the Cubs are completely wrong if if KB gets 250 to three the Cubs are completely wrong right so I'm going to be paying very close attention to seeing what those three guys get specifically I mean if I'm another team I'm not giving Javi Baez that much money and quite frankly I don't want the Cubs to give him that much money but if it happens, you're going to see how completely wrong in their judgment they were about these players. And Cub fans, I think, are going to get pissed all over again in the offseason. And what's kind of drumming up a lot of the anger, too, as well, is there's always uncertainty when these things happen. You know, look back to the other side of town, go to the south side. Yeah. When the Sox traded Chris Sale. Now, they got back Michael Kobeck and Yoan Mankata, and so far it's worked out pretty well. Kopech has a lot of promise. Maybe he'll become this really great starter. But as it stands right now today on this White Sox team that is really good and is trying to win a World Series, they do not have a Chris Sale. No. 
they don't have a Chris Sale on their team. And they will be looking for a Chris Sale for as long as, you know what I mean, for an undetermined amount of time until they find it again. So I just try and, as I'm getting older, I watch a lot of these games and stuff. I'm just trying to have this perspective of fair market value. First of all, I, I get what Jed's trying to say. He's trying to defend an organization that I don't think that he's in agreement with. I think we're all realizing now why Theo left when he left because yes. he didn't want to deal with this shit. Yep. And Jed's doing the best he can in, under his new position to sell it as best he can. But fair competitive market offers, when they say stuff like that, it's a loser's phrase. I'm sorry. Yeah. We tried. We did. Yeah. You know what? We came in third, and we're super happy about it. And all I'm saying is you're going to be trying to replace – a guy like Anthony Rizzo for the next several years. Yes. And if you want to create a World Series atmosphere and a World Series team, you're going to need guys like that on your team, and you're always going to be out there trying to search for a guy like Anthony Rizzo. And sometimes yes. those things are harder to find than, than everyone obviously thinks that they are. Like, we can't just go out there and spend money and throw a team on paper and think that it's going to come together and win a World Series because guess what? That's the shit that the Cubs have done you know, all through the early 2000s, and it didn't really work. You know what I mean? And Yes. And it, it, it's so funny to me about how how do you take the whole Cubs fan, the Cubs fan side of, I don't think you're on the side, but the Cubs fan that says, get rid of them. It's time to retool. It's time to rebuild. Let's do it. I mean, what, what is your reaction to people? I think some Cubs fans are, are way more on board with this, than, uh, and it's surprising to me. As a Cubs fan, that that if, if you were going to lean that way completely, where you were just like burn the house down and rebuild, like there is a, a great frustration that it feels like so many of these guys and, and these core guys, they kind of reached their peak in 2016, and it's like, well, well, what happened? Like, what? Why is a collective group like you know, Javi Javi had a couple nice years, we're like runner up to the MVP, which that was the time right then to give him an extension, right then, but. I understand that where you say like these guys as a collective group just never got better past kind of 2016, 27. And what is it about that? What is it about? You look at the, the playoff numbers the last three years and those three guys specifically were brutal and you need your stars to show up in these games. Yeah. You, yeah. You got to have that supplemental player. You got to have the Zobris type guys or some guy like a Matt Duffy that comes out of nowhere and gets a big knock for you. But at the end of the day, your big guys got to come through in the playoffs and these guys have just been nothing the past three years. So I, I get that sentiment, but I, again, I also said where I, I was kind of in the middle ground where retool, re-sign a Riz, re-sign a hobby, and then go into the off season and build around them going forward. I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand the people that just say burn it all down. These guys are still good players and I don't want to go back to like, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Like, nobody wants to take six, seven years of a rebuilding again. Well, and also point to the last Cubs franchise that won a World Series and then rebuilt it and then turned it into a World Series team again. Yeah. Right? And honestly, go through go through Chicago sports. Yeah. You know, real quick, like 85 Bears. Did you want, you know what I mean? Like that fell apart and then they yeah. had to do the whole, let's rebuild this thing. We're yeah. 35 years later. Um, let's go to the Chicago White Sox of 2005. You know, yeah. they went for those, uh, I think they went for it for about two, three years and then they let Burley walk and Canerco retired and they, they did the rebuild. How long did that last? They're still trying to do that. Yeah. Chicago Bulls, 
don't worry, Jerry Krause. We're going to rebuild this thing. Yeah. We're going to keep the excellence going after Jordan retires. 24 years later, we've been to one Eastern Conference Finals. I guess the Hawks are maybe the closest, like, facsimile of what I'm trying to talk about, where they were yeah. able to kind of, as you mentioned, retool, keep in mind, kept their core, yep. signed their best guys. Granted, they've had to deal with some salary cap issues in the last couple of seasons, but were able to retool and get three cups with yep. different goalies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they were able to kind of pull that off. I just think it's, I just think it's way too fast and loose and too casual for a Cubs fan to be like, you know, get rid of this whole thing and start from scratch and we'll be a world series contender again. It's just, it's really, really, really hard to do. And yep. I also think there's a weird narrative out there about how bad this Cubs team has been since they won the world series. And look, I think there's a lot of really heartbreaking, crushing elements of the last four or five years, but in 17, you know, that national series was amazing. They played like champions in that series. and they just kind of ran out of gas against a Dodgers team. That was just better than them. Top, final four, nothing to be ashamed of, right? Yeah. 2018. Now look, 2018 was the Javi year, right? That was a good offense. They just fell apart in the end. They fell apart in those last three weeks. And and look, that's irrefutable. It happens. And then they obviously they blew the opportunity against the Brewers and they blew the opportunity against yeah. the Rockies all at home. That hurts, right? That hurts a lot. It, does. it doesn't mean that they weren't still sitting there knocking on the door when it's so hard to win a World Series. It's really, really, really hard to win a World Series. Cubs fans, of all people, should know that. And then in 19, you know, you lose nine games in a row in September and your bullpen sucks. Whose fault was that? I think that has to do a little bit more with the construction of that bullpen that season. Yeah. 2020, you go to the playoffs. I mean, I yeah. get it. Didn't hit against the Marlins, but you're there, man. You're knocking on the door. You're in the dance. And I just find it to be really weird to think about. The, I think that there's been some more successes than there's been failures with this group. For but sure. I'm, agreeing, I'm in agreement with you on the whole. None of them really peaked the way that I thought. We never got that KB 40 home run, 125 never. RBI season that I think we were all in line to get. Well, and I, and I think, too, going back to, to the Ricketts a little bit, is that right around that 2018 time, right, like I said, that's when you – when it, it was a good offense and Javi was putting up those numbers. Right. And that's when he should have gotten extension. And that's when, you know, you should have, when, when Theo's coming out offense broken, that's when they should have been able to go out in the off season, make a few signings, extend Javi. But that, that coincides at the exact time frame of when the Ricketts said, no, no, we're done with that. No more money. You can have Daniel Descalso. Right. You can have Craig Kimbrell, but you can only have Craig Kimbrell if Ben Zobris goes yeah, if Zobris' wife has a little tryst, what the Scott Staff look like, right? You could only have Kimbrell then. And and it's just crazy that like turn if, turning that fountain off, turning that money off right at that time frame, 2018. Because imagine if you were given Javi, let's even say something crazy like seven years, three years ago, right? That contract is so much more amenable then because you're probably gonna say, oh. We probably get good hobby for at least five of those seven years. That's I'll take that, right? Whereas if you give you wait till the end here and give Javi a seven, eight year contract, you're more like we're hoping we get three to four good years of Javi and we have to take what we take, right? It's the pool holes effect. So turning that that money off then, it really, really, really tied Theo and Jed's hands on top of them just not making some good moves with the money they were allowed to spend. And it's funny, right? If you look back 
you know, I'm trying to look at like what was the first, the first pebble, you know what I mean? That, that, that fell out, that started the little leak that turned this into a, a raging dam of now everyone out of town. And it was funny. It's, you know, it's the Araldus Chapman. Now yeah. look, as Cubs fans, we were completely fine with Araldus Chapman not coming back. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I think if a team wins the World Series and the closer is a major reason why they win the World Series, you think they go out and they pay that guy. Yeah. But it was so, I mean, it was so easy for them to not do that, to not spend that money. That it, it makes no sense. Yeah, it, it really does. It really doesn't make any sense. I mean, all stuff aside, yeah, and the way Cubs fans feel about it, when you get a closer like that and you win a World Series, you give him that money. Um, Joe Madden, again, not getting extended on his deal. Another little small sign. It, it just It's all started. These little crumbs now are all starting to kind of lead as a little trail all the way back to the Ricketts family. And you're just like, man, they really – I, I don't even know I don't even know if they are even responsible for this as much as so they kind of sort of lucked into it and from 2017 on have just been cruising just been coasting. Well, and, and it kind of I was thinking about this today, you know, the Ricketts are kind of doing what the Reinsdorfs did with the Bulls for all those years, right? Like as long as fans keep showing up and the arena is packed and they're selling the beers and the hot dogs and they're making the money. They can say they want a winning product, but it really ultimately doesn't matter because they're making money regardless, which makes it all so much more frustrating that then you want to get cheap when it comes time to paying an Anthony Rizzo or, you know, a a good chunk of money for a Javi Baez or a Nicholas Castellanos. I mean, my God, what that, a guy like that, what he would have done for this cup. You mean, you want to talk about supplementing your core guys you stick 330 at the at the two or three spot in this lineup, the amount of pressure it takes off a KB, a Riz, a Javi, it's just astounding the way they got so cheap with this money. And you know, going back to Chapman, you're coming off a World Series where I can't even ma- I can't even imagine the amount of money they made off that from not just ticket sales, but you know, all of this stuff, right? The amount of money that they had to look they could have had a 500 million dollar budget in 2018 it wouldn't have affected them it wouldn't have affected them one bit they still would have made a shit ton of money it's just inexcusable and the the big dirty secret behind the big wriggly curtain right is that they've lost money in other places right yes real estate maybe a little politics you know i know that Tom isn't involved with it, but his name is still the last name of his father. Yep. And it all makes you kind of think of sort of what what happened. DJ LeMahieu is another great example yep. too, as well of a team that is only a couple years removed from a World Series and wants to get back there quick. That's the type of move that you make. He was not going to make $100 million. You know, he was going to cost like a pretty little penny, but he was definitely a guy that you could have gone out there and gotten. For our last segment here we've been doing a lot of ruminating but let's try and look forward man let's try and look forward and let's see let's start here i don't want to do with what you think they're going to do because that's just going to probably make this sad pot even sadder let's talk about what you think the cubs should do what the cubs need to do to make themselves a contender again not next year let's slow the roll this is not going to happen but let's just say the year after that because Let's just say 2023, because if it's not 2023, then we're it's 
Yes. Pandora's box is open. It could be three years. It could be five years. It could be eight years. This is how dangerous uh, a territory Cubs fans are in right now with their team because these things can go on a lot longer than people think. Yeah. You just can't turn on a faucet and these prospects are good and let's rock and roll and everything's great again. It's really hard to climb back up to the top. So what do you think a couple keys are that the Cubs are going to need to do to get back to a competitive level in two years? Well, I'll start with this season that we're currently in right now. I think, and we've discussed this a lot, mm -hmm. immediately, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson go into the rotation. I don't want to see Zach Davies. I don't want to see Jake Arrieta. If you're a guy that we all know will play zero part in this team going forward starting next year, you can have a seat. We'll use you in garbage time. I want the rotation to be Hendricks, Alzale, Steele, Thompson, and figure out your fifth spot. Maybe when Dom gets out of the loony bin, they let him pitch the fifth spot. But those have to be my four guys that get the majority of the starts for the last month and a half of the season. That's the first step. I think secondly, for Cubs psyche, Cubs fan psyche in the offseason, you, you have to go out and find someone that you think will be a, a, a contributor, let's say for 2023, that you can sign this offseason. Give me that really good player that shows me that you're turning the faucet back on. You're going to spend some money. You do intend for this to be a retool and not a five, six, seven-year rebuild. But let's learn about the pitchers this year. Give me a guy or two in the offseason. And then hopefully we go into spring training and you see some guys like Brandon Davis and Braylon Marquez these guys that are kind of right there get real chances in spring training next year, just kind of start that prospect buzz again. I'm like, okay, you know, kind of like we were in 2014 where we're looking at the time we were looking at the KBs and the Addison Russells and all these guys give us that excitement in spring training. Cause if you don't do this stuff, if you don't spend any money in the off season, you don't let these young kids pitch, who's going to watch next year. Who's going to go to these games. Who's going to buy that marquee subscription. Yeah. Who's going to drink the beer. Right. You can sit in the seats. I, I'm, I'm in an agreement with you. There's already an article on The Athletic of how they're not selling out games right now. Well, and I can tell you that. As year, a, they're not They're not going to sell out the rest of the season. They're going to take Well, I can tell you from a personal level with this as a season ticket holder, you know, I share two seats with three other friends and we can't we can't go to every game, you know, and we have to sell generally 50 of the 80 games just so that we as everyday working people can afford to buy the tickets for next year. I can't even get for this entire season, even before the trade, I couldn't, I can't even get face value for my tickets, let alone now. Right. Like I, I was putting tickets on stub up for next week for the brewer series before we started our pod here, seven, eight bucks a pop. Mm -hmm. And that's going to go forward and that's going to carry into next year. They're not selling out games. And I, I don't doubt that COVID plays a part in that this year, but next year it's going to be all about the product. And it, it really, we talk about the immediate present and the future going forward. Jet Hoyer needs to stop saying things like, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what we're going to do. And talking, I understand there's going to be a CBA, a new CBA starting at some point in the winter, early, early next year. And I understand you need to, you need to see a few things, how they get worked out, but they're not reinventing baseball, right? They're not reinventing the major rules. There are going to be some things they tweak and get changed, but you still have a general idea. Stop telling people you don't know what you're doing. That scares the hell out of us. I think it's because he's being honest. And that I don't doubt it. Stop saying it, though. I, 
Stop yeah, but saying it. That's like that. That's like uh, that's like Theo and Jed's. That's their that's their mantra is transparency and honesty, and it really just it says a lot, man. So for every person that yeah. wants to bitch about Javi Baez's on base percentage, or you know Chris Bryant's power numbers, or Anthony Rizzo's age, the own general manager can't honestly say what the direction of the team is. And he's couching it under collective bargaining agreement, which also sort of sounds like that the Ricketts family um, wants to strike. That's what it's. That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like that yes. they're on the side of we're going to be against the players on this one, and we are going to be on the side that's going to stop and halt baseball activities. But on top of that, the general manager can't give you an answer because he has no clue what the ownership yes. is going to allow him to do moving forward. And that's what makes me so scared and skeptical. And that's why I'm so mad when they get rid of guys like Rizzo, Baez, and Chris Bryant, because there is no, I don't know what the future is. And the general manager told you himself, he does not know the direction yeah. at this point. Yeah. And when he, and when he says, I, I don't know the plan because of the CBA, the CBA is code for the Ricketts. That we, that's what he is talking about. It's not, it's not the actual agreement that the players, it's the Ricketts. What are the Ricketts going to let me do in the immediate for next? Are they going to tell me I can spend $200 million and I'll go out and buy us whatever? I mean, I also think, too, you know, for this offseason, if you're being smart, you, you, you would not want to do that, right? Like, you would not want to go out because the free agent class this year is not great, right? No, especially, especially on the pitching side. Yeah, yeah, because you're not you're not going to give a what a 38 year old Max Scherzer some three year hundred million dollar deal. It's just no, not and you're not going to be the guy. You're not going to be in the 125 million dollar game for like no. a Carlos Rodon and stuff like that. You're just not. No. You're not going to do that. But I will tell you that you're, I'm in complete agreement with you. We've talked about this a lot. About the quickest way out of this is finding young, controllable yes. starting pitching. Quickest way out of this problem is by doing that. So if you can figure out a guy, if you got Hendricks, right, and if you could figure out one, ooh, fingers crossed, maybe two out of the Azalea, Steele, Thompson, I think that really, really gives you a shot because you can always work, you know, in the 8 to $10 million range on the number yeah. five starter, and then you can maybe go out and target someone in that 14 to $15 million range as hopefully maybe your number three. And now all of a sudden you've got a starting rotation that's only maybe built on maybe about 40, 45, $50 million a year. Yes. It's pretty damn good, right? The next one is, and it's getting bleaker by the day, but I'm a big proponent of you need building blocks. Yeah. And I'm not talking about young building blocks. I'm not talking about prospects. You need pillars on your team that are going to guide you through. There's nothing more fun for me personally or it's the it, currently the Jose Abreu theory. You need to have some guys that are professionals that are good at their job. Yes. Anthony Rizzo, uh, Anthony Rizzo, and you need to sign these guys, and then they need to be with you through the bad times, and then they can ride with you out in the good times. And the whole idea is they're not the integral, central, focal point of an offense by the time you get good again. Yeah, the, you know, in theory, if you did re-sign a, a Rizzo in the off season, when you're good again in about three or four years. He's not a three, four, five hitter. He's probably no, more in that six area, but you're getting a really professional at bat from a veteran that you love. They need to really focus on that. And I think also left field, I mean, I don't know what they do with Jason Hayward. They're going to have to ride that deal out because as much as I want to think that they should buy him out and try and get rid of him, they're just not doing that, guys. Put it to bed. But 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 here's my thing with that, with Hayward. If you know next year, right, that you – if you're, if you're kind of saying next year really is just a kind of whatever year and we'll get serious in 2023, shouldn't you buy Jason Hayward out? 
He's got two years left after this year at what, about 50-ish? Shouldn't you go ahead? I don't care who it is. Giants, send him back to the Braves, send him to the Cardinals. We'll eat three-fourths of the money because next year doesn't matter anyway. We're going to be so far under the budget. It's already a, a sunk cost. Shouldn't you do that if you're the Cubs? Like, look, I get it. He does fall under that, like, needing a professional and leadership, but he just simply provides nothing anymore. He's a, he is now a late-inning defensive replacement. That's all he is as a player. And unfortunately, um, he was on the World Series. I, he's a great person. He's a of good dude in the locker room. He has given us some good memories on the field and was a great defender for us for many years. But honestly, he is kind of the poison pill that has yeah. kind of led us to this particular area. He's the highest paid guy on the team, and they don't even want to sniff that number with anybody else. Ne'er, dare I say top that. And I hear you, man. Eating three-fourths of it, though, that sounds like $30, 35000000 million to me. And that's it the does. 30 but that's the 30 to $35 million gap that they just had with Rizzo between the $70 million and probably the 100 105 And they couldn't get that done. So I'm just kind of reading – I'm just reading what's happened and saying sure. that it just isn't going to happen. I'm just dying to see, I'm dying to see what they do. And look, I'm, I'm skeptical. And for everyone out there again, that says, Hey, the Cubs can just rebuild and just start it all over again. Bring the prospects back up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the Chicago Cubs guys. Yeah. Uh, you we don't, don't win World, I, I, World Series and you get the stink off of you. Uh, yeah, I, I heard someone say the other day, it's like, well, you know, the Marlins won the World Series in 97 and they immediately tore it down and won it again in 03. And I was like, hey, why the hell are we even close to being in the same sentence as what the Miami, Florida, whatever name Marlins, Dominic's favorite team, why are we even in the same breath as running our organization like them? A, and B, there is a shit ton of luck involved going from World Series, tear down, winning it again six years later. There just is. You have to have so many things go right for that to happen. I mean, I mean, name a team besides the Marlins that has done that anytime recently in baseball. It's just so, so hard. And again, most of these prospects that they got in these deals, with the exception of the guys from the, the Sox for Kimbrel and maybe the, the outfielder, uh, in the in the in the Giants trade, they're all kids. They're A ball players. I, I, I think they're probably, more, they're probably more likely like trade chips and future deals for established players than they are guys that are going to come up, right? I mean, if we're banking on all these guys being the next future Cubs stars, uh, I'll talk to you when I'm in my 40s, dude, because that's going to be five years. Yep. For real. And, let's keep it, and most this. of these guys are shortstops. They got too. They're not all going to be Cubs. I know shortstops can play other positions, but two-thirds, three-fourths of these guys will never see Wrigley Field. I look at the Red Sox, too, as well, and maybe it's an easy comparison because that's where Thed and G uh, Theo and Jed came from. They were under 500, what was it? I think it was last year, maybe the year before that. Yeah. And they traded Mookie Betts, and that was a huge deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And everyone said, you know, what are, what are they doing? How can they trade Mookie Betts? Now, I'm not saying that I'm on board with trading Mookie Betts because for everyone who says I can't pay Chris Bryan $250 million, Mookie Betts is hitting 270 right now, making 330, yep. whatever. So, and the Dodgers seem to be pretty happy with that. So, you got to kind of look at it from a relative basis of, I want it now versus the value that you're getting on your team. But well, Francisco Lindor for the Mets, right? 330, right. and what's he right? Right, but still look at what the Red Sox have. You know, the Red Sox still have Xander Bogarts. They got Rafael Devers, homegrown. 
They got J.D. Martinez, the guy that they bought. And then they went out and they got guys like Hunter Renfro and Kiki yeah. Hernandez. And they kind of filled it up with a lot of these different side guys. And they spent money. And then some of the guys, like an Alex Verdugo, is now playing in their outfield, the guy that they got back in a trade. And it's working from all different avenues at the exact same time. And that's what I don't understand from a Cubs perspective of it sort of feels like one way or the other. I can't yeah. understand why. I understand that you had to trade some of these guys because your farm system sucks and that's your own fault. Okay, fine, whatever. But to trade all of them, including Rizzo, when you can't have these competing tracks of homegrown veterans still on team, free agent acquisition supplementing roster, and a prospect here and there coming up and helping you out. And we've talked about this before, and unfortunately when – your prospects just don't work out. It really bleeds over to everything else, and it creates this strange, weird animosity. And now all of a sudden you're asking yourself, uh, is Anthony Rizzo worth it? Um, because Ian Happ's hitting 190 right now. We were banking on Ian Happ becoming this certain player. Anthony Rizzo, by and large, is still probably 80 to 85% of the player that he still you know, was. And now you're doing this whole game, and that's where you get really lost. I agree. And, you know, when, when you think about a guy like, like Rizzo in the off season, like, I mean, I would say for Cub fans, don't hold your breath, unfortunately. Right. Cause I think, I think bad right now, I think at this point, especially like you can forget like, Hey, Hey Rez, we, that's our bad, man. We totally lowballed you. That was real stupid. Jed can say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have run my mouth. I, we do want to offer you five at a hundred. I think he's going to say, you can take that five at a hundred and shove it. If you want to give me five at one twenty we can have a conversation that you had your chance at five at a hundred. You pissed all over that because like now you're asking, now you're also asking someone like Riz to come back to what seemingly looks like a full rebuild. Hey, come on back to a team that's, we need you Rizzo to come back to and, and play on the 2012, 2013 teams all over again at age 33. You think he wants to do that? You think, or you think he wants a chance at being with the Yankees or the Red Sox and have a chance at a ring in the next two or three years. And you're saying that about Anthony Rizzo, one of the most beloved Cubs of all time. The city loves him. He loves the city. And now you've screwed it up so bad that now he's going to want top dollar. So if you think he wants top dollar, and if you think we're going to go into the offseason and just write a bunch of checks to people, fine. All well and good, but guess what? It's going to be top shelf money. And I guarantee you then you're opening that door back up again to possibly put yourself back in a Jason Hayward situation on a contract. Sure. Javi Baez's approach, it's gotten worse over the last couple of years. It has. Chris Bryant's shoulder, I don't think ever got back to 100% because his swing, his follow-through, does not look exactly the same. If you match it up with a 16 swing and a swing from today, he's just not going all out on his swing anymore. So that's why I just don't think he's got the power that he used to. And Rizzo has got the back. But at the same time, we had an opportunity to keep some of those guys around while also fill out the roster and keep going while maybe not thinking that they're going to be the end-all, be-all people. And now all I hear in Chicago sports is how we need to give Wilson Contreras a bunch of money, a guy who's hitting 233 right now. So, you know, this, where we're at, and it's looking, it's looking pretty dark. It's looking bleak. On, on the Wilson Contreras thing, though, I mean, don't you have to extend him now? I mean, I, I don't I and the thing is I, I I'm honest, like, I was thinking about this, like because you did get rid of Rizzo, who was your kind of de facto captain, and 
it, it, it's Willie's team now. Like, it's Willie's team this year. It's Willie's team next year. We can pray that, you know, as you say, that August Hammy doesn't happen. But, I mean, don't you have to extend him now? But then if you extend him, you know, you have a guy like Miguel Amaya as a trade chip, I suppose. But I, did, I honestly have no idea what the number – because we get into this situation again, right, where, like, okay, what does Wilson Contreras think his number is? What do the Cubs think it is? Are they going to lowball and piss him off too? But, I mean, don't you kind of have to extend him or at least make him an offer? Yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think Salvador Perez – or, no, JT Real Muto is obviously the highest-paid catcher. He's over $100 million, and I think Sal Perez is somewhere in, like, the 70 to 80 range. So I think that five, would be – Five for 80 and $17 million for Wilson Contreras. Um, I guess that's a start, right? Again – of all the guys on the on the roster, and look, I don't want to give Wilson a hard time. He is a good baseball player, yeah. he's an all star and stuff. But we don't really have a spot for him in the lineup. We don't know where he hits. He hits all over the place because we yeah. don't know where exactly he's supposed to go. Yeah, I think his approach to the plate's gotten a little worse over time. Yeah, I guess I guess it, you can't just, call that a building block. But again, there's just and that's what stinks is there's just there's so much skepticism now moving forward with this team. Yeah, that um. It's just going to be really hard. And I'm going to continue to watch. I really am. But I'm going to grieve for a little while. I'm going to go on vacation sure. with the Cubs for a couple of weeks and just back away. And <laughs> sorry. Well, hey, look, work, at, but... least, at least we have, you know, the the our, our Chicago Bulls and our Chicago Blackhawks making some moves that will help us kind of get through this. We have Bears training camp. You know, we have some things that maybe we didn't have in past years when it comes to our cubbies that can offer us a slight distraction. And then we'll check the schedule. We'll see when, when, when Hendricks is pitching, we'll see next week when Justin Steele makes a start and then we'll see when Keegan Thompson is up. And that's what, those are the games that we'll, we'll key in on. And if, if Zach Davies is on the bump, well, just enjoy your cocktail, enjoy your night off. Yeah. And then you'll be there at guaranteed rate, August 14th and 15th. With my, uh, when the Yankees play the White Sox, your Rizzo on and, and uh, trail them and and try and trail them around. Yeah, I think the um, I think the well, Yankees. Doesn't KB? Don't the Giants still come here this year too? Like K, you know, KB's gonna be back in Wrigley like in like the next month or so. I think. Yeah, that's what you have to look forward to now. At this point, uh, <laughs> if you're Cubs. <laughs> and hey, man, what are you doing for next year's MLB draft? Because we're gonna be watching. Yeah, we are. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy our what top ten, top seven pick, top five pick. That's, that's the thing too, right? Like, you know, at this point, like you want to see guys pitch well, but honestly, shouldn't we just be rooting for them at this point to just lose every damn game? I yeah, mean, I want I, to lose every it's game. It's so hard. It's yeah. such a flip switch, right? We went from like end of May where we're like two and a half games up in first place to here we are on August 4th being like, lose them all. Let's get the draft pick. What do you think, if you could put your finger on it, what do you think it was between – Let's just give you three doors. Um, starting rotation, offensive core, or injuries. What do you think it was that was the worst? Or or the road trip that, that really doomed the Cubs season? Because, yeah, let's not forget, Jed's like, well, we weren't a winning team, and I had to sell everyone. We were 10 games over 500, I think, in the middle of June. 90 well, I, think, you know, I mean, overall for the season, that starting rotation was always doomed. That was just doomed waiting to happen. But I think specifically going from May to June, it was a combo of all those injuries catching up and having that brutal schedule. That schedule was brutal. Mm -hmm. It was brutal. I mean, you know, we played every, we played every divisional leader 
including yeah. the Padres, all on the road. And, you know, but even that, right, like it's hard because you look, you know, you no-hit the Dodgers, a combined no-hitter on, that, th- on the, that Thursday. And then I think you look at what, like the next five or six games, the Cubs led or were in every single one of those games. And it wasn't the pitching that let you down. And, it, you know, for the first six games of that losing streak, it was your offense. It was these core players again, just – and how I just admit how how crazy is it like like you know we've said this before in years past like we've all seen a guy go cold right we've seen a guy have a really bad year but just how crazy is it that when one of these guys started to go cold it's like a switch got flipped for the entire team and with the exception of that occasional breakout game where they scored 12 runs the entire team just disappeared for a month it's just it still blows my mind you know well, and the other part that's been kind of jarring the last couple of years is some of the, even the streakiness um, that, you know, some fans like and some fans don't like. Even that kind of sort of went away a little bit where just remember, I, I've been thinking a lot about Chris Bryant recently. Yeah. Just remember when Chris Bryant first came up, he had that knack for, you know, he'd like pop a home run in a game. And you'd go, oh, shit, this is the week. And he he'd pop like five or six in ten games. He would just like – they'd come in bunches, you know what I mean? And he would just kind of get hot like that. Um, Javi, I want to say, was sort of the same the same way. And then Rizzo – Rizzo wasn't so much streaky, but you can kind of look at the calendar and you can kind of pick out these yeah. moments and be like, you know, I was running some stats the other day and every August, like people are wondering Anthony Rizzo on the Yankees, he must be rejuvenated. Well, no, Anthony Rizzo typically is just a really good hitter in August. Yeah. It's just kind of his time of year. And as we mentioned, he's always a slow starter April and May. And then right around June, he kind of sort of turns it around a little bit. Those, those markers, those things that we had kind of pegged over the years that were kind of consistent, kind of weren't that consistent this year. Rizzo never got that hot streak going where he started kind of peppering the ball all around the field. KB never really got in that home run binge mode. Javi never really had the hot, hot month that he typically had. Let me me ask you this about KB because I was talking with people and talking about different players, and and someone kind of said to me, and I don't know if I I agree or not, and and the word soft came up with KB. And I tell you, you know, I was in St. Louis two weeks ago, and I was at that – I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday night game where he pulled himself out because he had hamstring fatigue. His hamstring was tired. I mean, I, I don't even know, not, not that he pulled a hamstring or it's a strain, his hammy was, was tired and he had had enough. I, I don't even know what that means. And it just really seems that every single time that KB had any kind of, like, as you like to say, dent in that Ferrari, Put it in the garage. He disappeared. Disappeared. It's it's tough, man. I I don't know if I want to call him soft because it is a factual. It's it's a factual statement that he, at times, would play through some of this stuff. Sure. But the problem was, if he's injured, he's ineffective. Yeah. You cannot overcome it. No. Overcome injury through performance, and that was always a problem. Whether it was the wrist or whether it was the bulky knee that he had, and obviously the shoulder thing. I, I I can attest, the shoulder thing, in a perfect world, they should have signed Chris Bryant 
to a, a an extension and whenever that happened in 1718 and then they should have had him have sold uh, so surgery on that shoulder yeah because the dude had to change his swing he just didn't have that whip uh in that follow-through and it just made him a different player and it just kind of turned him in from a 35 home run guy to probably what he's going to be the rest of his career which is the evan longoria 20 to 27 area maybe 27 in a good year but hitting 30 home runs in a season again I kind of doubt it with Chris Bryant. Yeah. And, further, and furthermore, let me ask you about this. I've been thinking about this a lot, like, ref, like being really reflective about it. And I don't want this to come across as a criticism of Chris Bryant because I love him to death. But outside of outside of the, the World Series, which is such a, it's a terrible thing to say, like outside of that. Outside cause, of that little thing. Outside of that because he had, he had two great moments or three great moments in that World Series, in my opinion. Was Chris Bryant... Do you have clutch memories of Chris Bryant beyond that moment? You know, I always have memory, memories of – I was thinking back to Javi Baez popping a game-winning home run on Mother's Day or just yeah. something amazing late in the game. I think of Rizzo's moments of either it's a, you know, a 400 pitch at bat for a home run or, you know, just a key base hit or just, you know, some sort of walk-off scenario or something, something galvanizing, something that maybe goes beyond the box score. I, I was coming up a lot of memories with Baez – and, and Rizzo, and I was having a hard time thinking of, you know, when was the last great KB clutch base hit that you can remember? When was the last walk-off home yeah. run the guy had? The first two years I felt like were chock full of that, whether it was 5-for-5 five five against the Reds or, yeah, hitting that home run against the Indians and what was it, game three when we needed yeah. to score a run really badly or, you know, hitting that uh, – you know, hitting that bases loaded bomb in game, what was it, six, and then hitting the one off the wall in seven. You know, he had yeah, those. Yeah. But from that point on, do you remember like a lot I, of clutch I think, I, think moments? I, I think I remember there was like a, a, a regular season game like in the middle of summer against like the Rockies where he had a walk-off home run. But you're right, that that's about it. And I think his stats, like when we, when we say clutch, we do kind of mean seventh inning on, right? I think if you look back and check his stats, like from the seventh inning on for a good portion of his Cubs career, he was highly ineffective. He just did not come through in those big moments. You know, and it's same, you know, like we were saying, like when he gets, when he gets injured, he becomes so ineffective. And for me, it's like, okay, if you're KB and you've got some knacks and you, and you can't give me the home run right now because the power's not there, Shouldn't you, with your ability as a hitter, as a hitter, still be able to give me, hit me 280? Can you hit 280? I don't care if you have no power because you're hurt. Give me 280 in the gaps. Give me the single. Give me the doubles. Be productive. He just loses everything. He doesn't hit for power, and he hits 180, 190. And I think that bleeds into a lot of not having these clutch moments, not showing up in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And I think too, you know, Rizzo, big personality. Elmago, big personality. They are going to be so much more memorable over time to me as a Cub than KB. KB, he's a tall, good-looking dude. That's kind of about it. Like, not much personality there. Not much, like, back and forth. You know what I mean? I think he's just kind of an everyday, chill, boring guy. Me play baseball, me go home, and that's all I do. Well, and is it fair to say that we got overhyped with Chris Bryant? We're like, we literally thought, like, you thought he was going to be 40 and 120 every year. Like he was yeah. going to be this next great power hitter. And it turns out he's actually a pretty good two hitter, right? Yeah. I mean, he's closer to Troy Gloss than I thought. Yeah. And a lot of people, when he came out and uh, was drafted, they comped him to Troy Gloss. And I thought that that was an insult because I thought that he was going to be way more than that. In the first two seasons, he showed 
how capable he could be where I'm like, yeah, man, there's just going to be one of those years where he hits 325 with 40 bombs and 125 RBIs like that. That's just something that these great players eventually have those type of years and it just never really got there. And he's still a really good player, but man, he's, yeah, he's closer to the Evan Longoria's, yeah. the, the Troy Glosses of the world. than I think he is of the superstar of even like an Anthony Rendon, you know what I mean? Even, yeah. even Anthony Rendon at one point had one of those years, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, Chris ball, uh, Chris Bryant kind of gives us a nice, like full circle moment here where, kind of talking about him being overhyped. When we look at what happened last week and we look at the Cubs the last five, six years, I think that can be said about so many of, of, of the guys that came up, especially those first round picks, you know, the Almoras, the Schorbers, the Addison Russell's coming over and trade. So many of these guys that we, we thought Russell was going to be Barry Larkin. We thought Schorber was going to be this 300 hitter that just clubbed the ball over the park. Almora was going to be this great leadoff hitter that played stud center field defense. And it just didn't happen. Well, it just didn't happen to be very fair. There was a time when it felt like it was going to happen. And we, and it wasn't like we overhyped ourselves through, you know, the osmosis of fantasy. Um, But no, there was a, I mean, they all, yes, they all, I mean, Addison Russell drove in over 90 runs. You're right. You're right. It's pretty insane, and he turned out to be a not uh, a very good person, and now yeah. he's playing overseas. You know what I mean? And that's the it's crazy. There's a lot of crazy things that kind of went down with this team over the years, and it's over now. And I think this is, I mean, this pod. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. You know what I mean? And I think a lot yeah. of it is just us trying to pick up the pieces. And as the years go on, I think the longer we get away from this and further away from this. I think the mistakes are actually going to be more magnified than, than maybe us saying that, Hey, we overreacted at the time. And I think we both can agree letting guys like John Lester and Anthony Rizzo walk out the door and not even feel like, you know, not even feel like, you know, when you shake hands and you're just like, well, it just didn't work out. You know, I wish you the best. I wish you the best. It doesn't really even feel like that right now. It feels a little bit more like, is kind of like a pushing out of the door. Yeah, I think you, we're going to look you, back on you that. Overstage, you're welcome. Get out of here. It's kind of the way it feels right now. Well, I mean, as it stands right now, man, I mean, can you imagine Anthony Rizzo is the Sammy Sosa of the Cubs in seven or eight years where he still hasn't been back to Wrigley because of his relationship with ownership? Are they really going to let that happen? I, I would have a very, very, very hard, just because of what it seems like Rizzo is as a person, I don't think he's as prideful as a Sosa. I don't think his ego is on the level of a Sosa. And I think Sosa literally did, you know, disappear on the team at the end of the season. Whereas you'll never say that about Rizzo. I think ultimately, you know, Rizzo's probably pretty pissed at those guys right now. I think when he has some hindsight, because I, I do believe still that if the Cubs came to him in the offseason and said, hey, we'll give you five at 120, I think he'd come back. I think he'd come back next year. They're not going to do that, but I think he would. So I don't think, I don't think that that's a thing. I think that you'll, we're going to have Anthony Rizzo Day. We're going to retire. I think he's going to get his number retired. I don't know if he'll get a statue. Maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't scream and holler if he did. He was our generation's Mr. Cub. He, just, he probably deserves that, you know? I completely agree. And, you know, as we close the chapter 
on this Cubs era and, you know, these conversations that we've been having for a long time, because now a lot of our conversations, I think, moving forward are going to be about, you know, the future and how to fix this team. I'm going to keep on the record. <laughs> um, I never thought that they should have gotten rid of any of them. I think that they all could have been signed. I think at one point or another, probably maybe all of them got maybe outpriced or maybe the market got away from one side or the other at one point, which probably helped lead us to this particular place. And as much as everyone wants to say, you know, the Cubs had a top three, four payroll. Okay, that's great. But how are you spending your money? And and also there was a degradation that's been going on with this Cubs team now for several years. And I don't think it just really has anything to do with Rizzo, Baez, and Chris Bryant. If anything, you know, if those guys were all on top of their game right now, as you mentioned with that starting rotation, would we even still be in first place right now? I I would be very skeptical to say yes that they would. So it's been going on for a long time. Cubs have no money on the books for next year. I mean, it's Jason Hayward, Collins. Hendricks, Hayward, and eh? uh, Willie's Willie's arbitration money. Yeah, and I, I tell you, man, like I don't envy Jed Hoyer in his position right now. You, so you say you want to be the president of the Chicago Cubs? Well, here you go, bud. You've got an ownership that you literally have no idea what they're going to do from a financial aspect. You just traded away pretty much every good player you have. And for the second time in 10 years, you're in charge of what is basically a full-on rebuild. Good luck, my friend. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you, don't, if you don't have it turned around and going the right direction by going into spring training of 2023, you are just going to get crucified on podcasts like ours, on local sports media, everywhere. You're 100% right, too, because if he doesn't have it, as to use your words, if he doesn't have it pointed in the right direction by 2023, I'm telling you right now, we are looking at a long, long, long yep. road of losing um, on the north side. I mean, it's if you don't have it pointed in that direction by that time, because if you're going to play this whole we're going to we're going to let the kids grow thing. You hit it, dude. We're not going to see a lot of those dudes yep. until 23, 24 at earliest. And then when you do see them, they're going to need those one or two years to get those 1,000 at-bats at the major league level to even turn into players that we think that we know who they are and who they aren't. That's 25. That's 2026. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah, – and, and this is what the thing was. They, they said that they wanted to become not just, you know, compete for championships but also be this team that was around for – you know, competing years and years out for decades long at a time. And now, you know, they're just right back in that Cubs, that Cubs rinse, that Cubs rinse again. You know what I mean? Longest Cubs, longest great Cubs era that they've ever had. And now, uh, you know, right back to. Joey, if, if I start hearing the phrase lovable losers again, coming from media, coming from other teams, fan bases, I, you were just going to, we're going to start a podcast in two years from now with literally me just, banging my head on the desk because I just can't do it. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, you know, completely useless by September bullshit anymore. I don't want to go back to that. We're going to have to do a live feed for that because uh, if that's audio only, they're just going to, they're not going to be able to actually get the full thing as the blood slowly drains down. You and Dom can just get your popcorn and your boat drink out and like, 
Sean, take it away. Boom. Oh, Sean Graves, my Cubs consigliere. Let's get you out of here, man. Uh, this was ruminative. We had to walk through a lot. We had to go through a lot of emotions, a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of what could be, what could have been, and what the future is going to look like. Because guess what? This is all uncertain right now. The only thing that we're certain of is that the Cubs are going to lose a lot more games this year and then maybe move forward. Sean, thanks for being on the pod, man. My, your final thought. I, I, I just want to say to you, I, I appreciate you having me. This is so much cheaper than my therapist being able to come on and just talk with you and to just, you know, man to man, let we share our emotions, we share our feelings, we virtual hug to you and back. And I just appreciate you having me like always. Thank you so much. I'm just glad we didn't electrocute ourselves with our tears going on to our audio equipment today. Yes. And um, great run. Uh, you know, shake some hands, uh, get through the next couple of months. And then obviously I think, um, the off season is going to be really, really interesting. We're going to have a lot of thoughts, theories, fantasies of what we want the Cubs to do. But the biggest question will be what will the Cubs do? Sean Graves joining us right here on the pod of bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Head on your mobile device right now and check it out because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty great. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got more coming this way, and let me tell you guys something right now. This month of August is going to be great. I'm working on a lot of guests and bookings right now. I think this month is going to be jam-packed with great content. So thank you so much for listening to this pod. Look forward to the next one. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.